0: Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson. And I'm Lily Cantor. And this series of the podcast, as you know by now, we're a little bit different. We're going to speak to the winners of our Freelance Journalism Awards.
1: Yes, um, it's been really exciting doing this series and we're going to get to our first guest in a minute to find out a bit more about her freelance career and her award-winning journalism. Uh, First of all, let's get on to our highlight of the week.
0: Emma, let's start with you. What's yours this week? Um, Well, it's not really sort of work related and I didn't get paid for it, but it is using my journalism skills. So I'd been doing this. If anybody follows me on Twitter, you're going to get really bored of me banging on about this school campaign that I've been involved with, which hopefully that's going to stop now. So you can get back to the health journalism content. Um, but yeah there was myself and a couple of other sort of journalists or academic parents we'd managed to get a lot of press coverage across like national local regional all over the place and we found out last week that we have most likely won and the thing that we're campaigning about that I'm not going to bore you with is not happening and will probably go away so it's taken up such a lot of time but actually I just feel quite pleased I've been able to use my journalism for something that I really cared about and was really yeah. annoying me because the number of parents who said oh my god thank you for doing that I never would have gone on telly <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> it's fine isn't it but I I you know I'm quite glad to go back to the other side of the interview but it feels like phew I could use my journalistic powers for good yeah definitely and it shows you that people power works like it yeah. really does and I think that just got that's... to become annoying you've just yeah. got to kick up the biggest fuss that you can yeah and people go right we need them to go away <laughs> yeah and have a I very good yours. looking
1: dog that can, know, uh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Brian the dog the got in the background. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right, what's your highlight of the week, Lily?
1: Yeah, it's not quite as noble as yours, um, but I'm quite excited because I've got an interview coming up. It's very geeky, this. Um, and probably only you, Emma, will know what I'm talking about. But I've got an interview coming up with Jeff Galloway, who invented Jeffing.
0: Uh, uh, I do know what this is. <laughs> this sounds like the kind of thing that Amelia might want to write about. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that.
1: Um so Jeffing is the concept of run walking and a guy called Jeff actually designed a kind of training program so that you can train for a marathon very timely now because the ballot for London marathon's just come out. Um this process of run walking to kind of get you through a marathon and it's become known as jeffing anyway he's he's written a book um to do nutrition actually so I'm going to be interviewing him about that and all about jeffing but that's quite exciting for me that's amazing
0: because you (laughs) told me about the term jeffing but I have no idea it was because there was a guy called Jeff that's great yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah.
2: okay
0: well I mean no one else will know what you're on about but that made me smile so that's that's fine that's good
1: Okay, right, let's get on to our guest this week. Today we have with us Amelia Tate, who won our best feature category. This was sponsored by Lightbulb, Entrepreneur, and Press Hangout, and this was our most entered category. We had loads and loads of entries for this one. Um, Amelia's winning feature was about why we are so fascinated by super organised homes. Amelia is a veteran of this podcast, she's been on before, and she describes herself as a freelance feature writer who focuses on stories about culture, trends, and the internet.
2: Congratulations on the win, Amelia. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me to, to chat all things journalism, I'm excited. Yes, yeah, so it was a
0: really interesting feature. Our judges described it as fascinating and flips the flippant on its head. They said it was compellingly written with a healthy undercurrent of cynicism. Uh, And I feel that could describe a lot of your work, to be honest. Um, Yeah. So for those of us who haven't listened to uh, your previous podcast episode, which was all about where to find ideas, um, tell us initially kind of just how you got into freelance journalism. How have you got to be doing the work that you're doing right now?
2: Yeah. um, So I started my career freelancing because I couldn't get a job um so it just seemed like the thing to do if I actually wanted to get uh, any work published um so that must have been way back in 2014 so almost a decade ago um and uh, I was eventually able to get a job and I did jump around from staff jobs for a few years but I've actually been freelance for five years now um, because I just love it so much um So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question just by pitching, by pitching a lot uh, when I couldn't get a job is how I started in freelancing. Yeah.
1: And so this particular piece um, uh, that is kind of about, I guess, these people that kind of uh, declutter their home or organise their homes in a really kind of extreme way. I mean, I think this is fairly typical of your sort of quirky style of stories that you do, and sometimes quite random topics. I mean, I read your comment piece the other week about um, sourdough versus sliced bread, which was was spot on. Um, (laughs) So for, for this particular piece that won the award, can you tell us kind of how that one came about?
2: Yeah, it was a trend that I'd sort of had my eye on for a few years, actually. And I do think um, one of the interesting things that's often missed when we talk about ideas is that sometimes you actually have to sit on them until they reach the mainstream and your editor will know what you're talking about, Uh, because online it's actually you know, quite, a you know, half a decade worth of this sort of content of people decanting things into Tupperware boxes and labelling all their different pasta shapes, etc. Um, and I'd always wanted to write about it because I just thought it was a really fascinating kind of microcosm of today's world. Uh, but I knew, I knew that a, an editor wasn't going to quite get it yet. Um, I had a similar thing where I wanted to write about the trend for um gray, basically, gray living rooms, silver furniture, millennial gray homes. And I tried to pitch that, you know, four years ago uh, to nothing, you know, to absolute like confusion. Uh whereas last year multiple articles came out about it. So sometimes you have to wait till it tips into the mainstream, um, which is what happened here, because you know, you have Stacy Solomon on TV doing this kind of thing. It's not an alien concept to your average person slash average editor. Um, so I kind of sat on it. Um waited and gathered the information and just always had it ticking in the back of my mind because I as I said I just think it's a really interesting example of something that's going on that says something more about uh the modern world
0: yeah timing is everything isn't it when you pitched it I don't know if you remember all the way back then was it something that they kind of latched on to immediately as like yes we want something on this
2: well I I I cheated a little bit because I actually did know that there was going to be Sometimes it's hard as a freelancer to know who to go with to the idea and who is going to um, is gonna resonate with and who's going to be like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So I actually tweeted, there was like a video that had come out of, I don't know, Khloe Kardashian's pantry or some hyper-organized home. And I tweeted, you know, I've wanted to write about this for years, but the problem with freelancing is that I can't you know nobody wants to commission it which is slightly a psychological manipulation of editors because then they're like no I would um which is maybe a bit cheeky but it did work and I had multiple editors be like no I would I would I want that so then I had my my choice which was quite nice um I'm not going to say that that works you know a lot of the time maybe that's worked like two or three times in my career I've done a cheeky little tweet to say I want to write about this but sometimes it's an option because then they can see like oh it's got a thousand faves so obviously people want to read this um yeah
0: Yeah, no, that was quite a cunning plan. And I think for something like this, Mm. where it is kind of about internet culture type issues, you can Mm. see where that might work. That might work quite well. Yeah, they need the proof. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a bit about kind of the process of this. And I was quite interested in the interviewing process for this one. Mm. I think in this feature, and with a lot of your features, there's a lot of description of kind of what you're seeing as you're interviewing people, um, et cetera. So, I mean, I don't know if you did some of the you know these interviews kind of over zoom or phone or face to face but are you sort of taking note of all these things everything as you do an interview especially when this kind of scene setting because you're kind of describing all the um you know how they've organized everything for like the main person Mm. you're talking to for this and and how do you do that if an interview isn't face to face kind of
2: yeah how do you go about yeah, that yeah it's hard and do you know what sometimes I really marvel at when people have written stuff especially in the American press where I like uh you know they know the exact word where the person's mouth fell open or blah 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 and I'm like how have you done that have you just recorded the whole interview because how can you remember but yeah I just try to take as many notes as possible and um it is hard because um I did an NCTJ, so I do have my 100 word per minute shorthand but sadly have never used it once in my career Um, and I would love to do that I'd love to be able to be jotting things down in shorthand so that people aren't freaked out when you're interviewing them being like why have you written down that I'm wearing pink fluffy slippers or whatever Uh, but sadly because I've let it lapse I just have to jot it down so I have to do it quite surreptitiously because I don't want to freak anyone out by being like why are you writing down what I'm wearing or what I sound like or whatever Um, and that can be quite hard I mean for that one I also just took a load of pictures and got her in the pictures so it's like you know I have that evidence there it's like okay I can see that um, this was how it was organized and this is how it looked Um, so I really think no you know I've never encountered anybody that minds if you just say these are for my personal use these pictures I'm not going to print them in the article but they're for my like a memory aid Um, on zoom in some ways it's easier because yeah you can just jot it down and they won't see but it's harder because you can see less obviously you can only see the frame that they want you to see Um, but yeah it's a skill that's like always developing I think because I really do marvel uh other people when I read it I'm like whoa how have you recalled all of that um but if you go in with that mindset like I want those details um then you're at least going to get a couple
1: yeah because with that article it's a very visual thing as well isn't it like when you're looking at it Mm -hmm. you want to see the pictures of you know all the pasta jars and and everything um so I'm wondering as kind of with that how did you go about finding the right people because you need you need to know that they are going to be, you know, these extreme,
0: well, yeah. you know,
1: what what, what
2: what do you call them? T- tidy uppers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there isn't a word, is there? Maybe I should have invented one. Extreme organisers, yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard. And it was my editor actually who was like, listen, for this to come to life, we need a main character. You know, we don't want your sort of typical, because it was a longer um, word count. You know, you don't just want five people each saying a little bit here and there. You need to get into someone's life um and so for me I mean you're always going to aim for the biggest and best example aka um you know Jacqueline Rendell has a big following on TikTok um uh, she was actually the one that ignited me to the trend in many ways um it was going to be a separate article actually but she gets up at 4 a.m to do all of the stuff that she needs to do for the day before her children her, her daughter and her husband wake up which I was like that in itself is a whole article um and so I always had her in my head so when the editor said main character I was like right Um, And thankfully, because she does own a business, her email was in her TikTok, etc. But sometimes, sadly, there's literally no way to access the biggest character. Um, And then I think pretty much always, everybody has some, it's never the case that it's like, oh, I'll get there and she might not have anything to say. Because I think if you're asking the right questions, everybody has something, you know, every, um, even the most flippant things can have this huge backstory. So it's just about kind of, you know, and I spent an hour and a half with her. So it's like about taking that time to find out more about her as a person and how it ties to her organization and I think one thing is that everybody tells stories about themselves like that's the thing that amazes me most about being a journalist is how ready everyone is to be like this is why I do you know she's already been thinking about it this is why I do it it's connected to etc xyz you know um so you just need to be an ear really to listen to it yeah and I think it's interesting as
1: well that even though she already had a big following and was on social media you weren't thinking oh well she's already people know her and know her story already because you've got your tiktok audience Mm. and then you've got your sort of guardian reader audience and they're not the same people
2: there's no overlap so
1: I think that's a really good point for people
2: kind of not to worry necessarily if someone's already got a big profile I mean the one problem that you have nowadays is that people don't really they don't need us anymore it's like well why would I talk to you I've already got a million followers um but I think a lot of people still do get excited by print and the idea of being in a magazine so we've still got that on our
0: side for now yeah I'm still kind of a bit blown away by the fact she gets up at four in the morning from someone who was checked <laughs> right. out by their 12 year old this morning for not getting up to make the packed lunch for sports day oh, soon really? like Aww. well this is a whole different world to, to the one I'm living in and um, yeah and one thing I noted when I was reading the piece was how detailed it was in its research like there's a lot of people in there who are experts in this sort of decluttering super organization world you there was a kind of had some therapist stuff in there as well um kind mm-hmm. of just small throwaway aside like 200 pounds an hour charged for kind of cleaning out Reese Witherspoon's closet I think it was so <laughs> yeah. and then going into the history of it as well so that's kind of a huge you know how just how much goes Behind the scenes, into that background research, that might just be half a sentence or a couple of words in the final piece.
2: Yeah, I think it's so important to dedicate that time to that. Now, I'm not out there reading entire books, and I know a few freelance journalists that are right. They'll read an entire book on climate change when they're writing about that. And as honourable that as that is, I don't think it's very economical for for most freelancers. Um, So I'm not out there reading entire books, but I am out there opening a thousand tabs, and I do think it's important to read everything that's come before and um, just get a holistic sense of what's going on. Um, Two things that I think are like so key is like Google Scholar and Google Books. If I'm speaking to an expert, I want the expert that has dedicated their career to studying this phenomenon. Um, I don't just want, you know, people do journal requests. I'll speak to a psychologist. I could have spoken to any psychologist for this, but what they would have ultimately said would have been fairly generic. Um, if I find someone that's actually studied it and researched it and, um, you know, with one of the experts I spoke to, I couldn't even include all the stuff they were saying about these saliva tests they'd done and cortisol and stress levels after someone declutters and blah, 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 blah. blah. But that's the level you want. Like you want someone who's, um, can tell you these interesting facts, which is less work for you. I mean, it's, it's work to find them in the first place, but once you've got them, it makes your job easier. Um, and then another thing is like, there's an organization for everything. If you, you know, there is a, an organization of professional home declutterers. Uh, you'd be sort of amazed what kind of things have clubs and groups and stuff. Um, so again, you want to speak to them because they are the people who, who know everything there is to know about a subject. So one thing that does and I do understand, obviously we all have different deadlines and times to work on timeframes to work on things, but I do think it's really important to not just speak to any sort of media friendly expert and actually take the time and it also sounds better in the piece right if you can say says dr so-and-so author of and the book title is completely relevant to what you're talking about um so yeah i think that legwork's really important
1: yeah definitely and like you say finding the person who you know they've dedicated their whole kind of research career to that topic um yeah whatever it is that you're looking at um is really key um and the other thing that I think we we found really interesting was the fact that this wasn't just a story about kind of people's homes and what their homes looked like but it was a story behind why they were, were kind of doing this extreme decluttering I mean is that what you expected did did you kind of think there must be a story behind this um, or was that something that kind of came out through the interview process of this This is kind of a kind of therapy for people almost.
2: Yeah, I did expect it. Not necessarily that it would be that, but I expected that there would be something. And this is maybe something I struggle with when I'm pitching is that it's like, I know that everything we do has something behind it, right? It's not just random. Every, the the seemingly sort of little trends that just come up, you know, that are nothing. They all have people who make money from it. People who are healing from it. People who are hurting from it. Like everything, you know, um there's just so much more but sometimes you don't know that till you start out writing so you need an editor that's trusts you to like find those people um which can be difficult you know sometimes you I have got um you know five phone calls into a piece and thought oh god like is there anything more to this what, and what more can I say that's not just this is a thing but I did have a strong feeling that you don't kind of get up at 4am and you don't spend a lot of time organizing your things without there being something more um and that it didn't necessarily have to be about control and and psychology, but um, sort of uh, modern um, gender roles, you know, the fact that it's the woman that's doing this most of the time, there was always going to be something there. And again, you mentioned history. That's where the history comes in as well. It's like, how does this tie to how we lived before and why we live now? So I knew there would be something, but yeah, teasing that out isn't always the easiest thing and it can be intimidating, but I think that's the thrill of what we do because um, I could sit there and be like, I know there's something, but I don't know what it is. And then I'll get the expert on the phone and they'll be like, oh, this phenomenon is called blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, great. Um, so yeah, it's just a privilege to get to learn
0: as you go. Yeah. I love it when you find that one person that really just kind of, oh, I just needed you to say that one phrase. That's yes. brilliant. Thank you. you <laughs> made it all kind of go- going to place. Um, yeah. I'm going to use this podcast episode as my personal advice session now because later today I have to write up a kind of 3,000-word feature based on interviews that I've done over the past two weeks that I can't even remember at this point what happened in those interviews. Yeah. So tell us about your process of when you've done all the work, you've done all the research, you've done all the interviews. Do you start with a blank piece of paper? Do you have a rough outline? Like, how, how do you go about sitting down and, and writing
2: that feature? Yeah. It's always painful, isn't it? Um, I, I don't use an outline and I have got to the point where if it's like a two thousand word, somehow my body just naturally knows now, you know, bam, bam, bam. This is the order. This is the um, thing. So I don't need an outline in that sense, but it's very difficult. I mean, I'm an intro obsessive, absolutely. Intro- I will never start a piece with a quote um, because I read once that that was lazy, which I don't want to insult any listeners because I end a piece with, I end all my pieces with quotes and that's very lazy. Um, but I just think that first line is so important. So that will take me most of the time. So what I'll do is sort of go back through my interviews because I take notes as I'm interviewing really rough, like hideous notes, but I'll put a star next to anything interesting they've said. Um, so I'll be like, OK, that that's a, that's an intro, that's a scene or that's a point that we can start with, which sometimes is harder than others, obviously, because sometimes you don't get that um, zazzy moment. But yeah, for me, I just think the intro is so important. I am incredibly prone to a drop intro, which not everybody is a fan of, but I I just adore. I adore a drop. Um, so those first two paragraphs will always be that, that drop, that scene setting, getting someone excited and hyped about an idea. And then it's so generic. It sounds like ticking boxes, but I mean, to be fair, a lot of it maybe is ticking boxes for anyone who you're writing for. But in that third paragraph, I'll always come in with that stat, that hook, that figure, that new bit of story that's like, why is this relevant now um at which point maybe in the fourth paragraph I'll introduce the questions that I want the piece to answer and then from that point it really is just we I mean that's I find it weirdly easier actually maybe it's out a lot of people find that harder weaving the five phone calls together from that point but I think once you've grabbed someone at that point it's like right let's find the most interesting quotes from each interviewee and how they tie together so I I guess I have a a general idea where it's like because I don't want to give it all away at the top right like you don't want to give everything away so you're like how can we tease that there's more how can we come up with something interesting and there but then we'll come back to them later um so yeah I don't I don't think that's very good answer to your question sorry I wish I had like a secret trick I'm not a very good planner
1: that's interesting though that you say you hold some information back because that's another thing I was going to ask about was like how do you keep that pace going so that people kind of want to read all the way through to the end because that's really evident um in this piece um and I think yeah you've obviously you're very aware of that and you're like you say you're sort of teasing bits of information I mean how do you like physically I guess are you are you going between like all the different interviews or do you just like, do you type up all the quotes and then start moving them around and, you know, linking them together? How does that kind of process work?
2: Yeah. I'll just usually go between, Um, I mean, some pieces, if it's a really long piece, if it's a 4,000 worder, then I would um, put people's, I'd allocate like a highlighting color for different people's quotes. And I'd be like, right. Um, You know, Lily's yellow, Emma's blue. And then, so I'd have them all there. And then I would just copy and paste them into sections where they all matched each other and then glue it together. But for a smaller piece, it is sort of intrinsic now where I'll just be like, okay, I know to lead with that guy. And that will naturally, there's, I usually look for a quote that kind of ties into the next theme or the next interviewee. So someone might be like, uh, you know, this is an issue of control. And then I can go back to the person who's like, I just find that, you know, I really want control. So it's ties neatly. Um, but I do think it's so important. I mean, I'm obsessed with keeping people reading to the end, or just keeping it interesting, because I am, um, you know, not a, like. A lot of people love love reading long reads. They love journalism. They love they consume it. They're obsessed. I am. Um, I mean, I do love reading, obviously, but I am definitely more of a petty reader. Like, I will click, click away. I'm I'm a busy gal. The, the internet is a full space. So, because I'm so aware that I'll click away or get bored. It's like I think people should keep that in mind as their reader rather than the ideal reader who's going to sit there with their pipe, you know, reading it by a roaring fireplace and spending an hour with it. You should actually keep in mind how people are really reading it. Um, so to me, I, I always have that idea that it's entertainment as well as information. And so, yeah, I think that's where having the right expert comes in as well, because if you have someone that just says something generic, that's when the reader will start to lose interest and be like, well, I know that. Um, whereas if you have someone that like puts a term to a phenomenon and I don't know it's just a bit more exciting and interesting um yeah yeah and it's in yeah I think that sometimes when people think of
0: a long read they think like it has to be worthy and has to be really super descriptive and look because Mm. because they yeah they just think that's what it is um but I noticed on this piece of yours like all the quotes are really short like our attention spans are just you know you've got to think that most people are probably reading this on their phones and have you know the attention span of a nap so (laughs) (laughs)
2: because I do yeah exactly yeah, because
0: I do I write for me yeah 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 exactly um it's interesting that you don't start because I always find that blank page to be like the hardest thing so I will maybe sometimes drop in the brief I got at the top just so I know yes like, like which which parts to hit I mean I definitely, definitely. don't outdo it I do draft. that
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can remember what it is you're supposed to be I think it's so important I also think so many people forget their brief and the editors then like what have you you know it's like you have to go back and look at the points that they wanted you to hit and it does make it easier yeah yeah
1: and I think f- I agree that like the intro that's the bit I spend the most time on like I could yeah. a lot of stuff I write is about a thousand words but I could spend mm. half an hour Definitely. just doing the yeah. intro and then the rest of it I could knock out in you know 20 minutes Same. yeah um but it's just getting that yeah like drawing the reader in and just getting going which is yeah which is the it's part. a pain
2: sometimes it takes forever like sometimes I'll just be sat and I'm like what is the interesting thing here um, but I do think it makes all the difference definitely yeah
1: in fact I, I sometimes do it like whilst I'm on on the job as well because I was in um, <laughs> sorry to the listeners because I keep banging on about this but I was in Tanzania um, <laughs> uh, doing a big ultra event over five days and I think I was on the fourth day and I was like what is going to be my intro to the review yes and there was a moment where something a bit weird happened and I was like That's my intro. Um, even though I, you know, hadn't completed the event, I kind of knew that was my intro and that is what I used. So sometimes, I guess, you do know you have to be quite self
2: aware. Is that what you found? Definitely, 100%. I would say about 50% of the time, even before, even though I've got a blank page, I've emailed myself something from my reporting that I've that's come into my head as the first line. Um, so usually, even before I've got to that point, I will have been like, and sometimes I don't use it because I've got something better. But I will, have, I will have been thinking in first lines. Yeah, like my brain will in- naturally just go to that place whilst it's happening. They'll be like, um, And you know what? A lot of people think you might have to be like flamboyant, exciting, blah, but sometimes the plainer it is, the plainer that you distill down the essence of that story, and especially if it's something weird, like you said, something interesting, and you just write it in plain English. I mean, that, that can be some of the most stunning first lines, yeah.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I find you just need to go and do something else so you're just mm. like gone for a walk or you're just doing a kind of mindless job and you, your mind will start writing it well like Definitely. rather than just the pressure of kind of staring at your computer screen going,
2: yeah is- but you have to email yourself a joy down because the amount of times I've done that and then completely forgotten what it was it's like oh I've written it and then you're like oh no wait <laughs>
0: yeah now I have constant emails to myself and then I, I yeah. send an email to myself and then I'll get a beep go, oh I got an email oh yeah I just
2: yeah same every time yeah, every time
0: um <laughs> so can you tell us anything about what you're working on now and also I'm interested to know how many pieces you kind of tend to work on at once is it kind of a one thing and gone or have you got a few things juggling
2: it really really varies like uh I'm sure everyone has the same thing um I mean like right now this week I've got three deadlines in a week which is unusual but then there'll be a lot of weeks where I have no deadlines so it's uh I mean it's my own stupidity obviously I should have spread my deadlines out um so this is going to be a stressful week um so, yeah, I'll have lots of different stuff on the go. I think the key thing is to obviously have had the interviews spread out. So it might be the case that, yeah, I'll have like two weeks of just interviewing for loads of features and then a week for like writing them. But it's not fun. I can't I can't advise that anybody – I can't advise I've figured it out because it's not fun and I'm stressed about this week. Um, I'm working on a piece about vegan packaging and why it's always kind of chatty slang on like vegan foods versus, you know um, – more legacy products that will just tell you the ingredients. Um, I'm working on a piece that's similar to the organized home one, which is about people who um, have these like really elaborate collections and they display them in their homes elaborately. And uh, that's been really fascinating. And what's my third one? Oh, my third one is a piece about um, why we should, it's sort of why we should stop worrying about dot, dot, dot. And then it's like different headings, like climate change, growing old or whatever so speaking to experts in that field who have kind of encouraging optimistic news uh, rather than the doom and gloom that we see so often
1: oh definitely look out for that I think we could all do a bit of uh, positivity (laughs) in our
2: lives absolutely yeah
1: (laughs) brilliant oh well that's been really really helpful actually and it's really interesting to talk through kind of your writing process I think um, for us and our listeners, it's always really fascinating to hear how, how other people kind of piece, piece their work together. Um, but to round up then, we, we have kind of three questions we're asking all of our award winners. Um, and they are, what is your favourite thing about freelancing? What is the most frustrating thing? And what's your top freelancing tip? So could we start questions. with your favourite thing about freelancing?
2: yeah I mean it has to be the freedom like um I just so many days in June when it was sunny would just sunbathe in the middle of the day because it's like I make my own hours I decide what I'm doing and yes I can be more stressful when it comes to this every single day regardless of how much I have to do um and so to me it's just stunning that I can just yeah I can read in the middle of the day I can do my chores I can do my errands I can um ring my mom in the middle of the day I don't know just that freedom and that flexibility is just so unparalleled and I don't think we talk about it enough because there is I mean I understand why because there's a lot of things wrong with freelancing um but yeah I think we should celebrate that
1: yeah I've been on holiday mode for about (laughs) a month now (laughs) amazing
2: I love it I really should (laughs) do some work
1: but I'm just totally slowed down like you say as the weather's got warmer yeah, we can enjoy yeah. That, yeah. Okay, and what, what do you find
2: frustrating then about freelancing? Yeah, I suppose this goes back to what I was saying about how I sat on that idea for a few years, which is that um, having to communicate to an editor and find someone that trusts you and gets it um, you know I'm I'm in a fortunate enough position now where there are some people that I can always go back to and I know they'll get it but sometimes you're like oh I want to write for a different publication I want to do this and you have an idea that you know is dynamite and you know is gold and you write a killer bitch but it doesn't really matter if the editor's not open to working with new people or they don't get it or uh, whatever you know um, or like the amount of work that you'd have to put in to convince them when they could still say no versus someone that you've worked with and trust you yeah it's it's really frustrating I think when I think about the pieces that I haven't written but could have been amazing pieces, it's like, oh, it's just very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good one
1: actually. Um, is those sort of, there must be there's probably even a, a, an article in there for you, but something about those, yeah, those ideas that were never kind of.
2: Yeah. The pitched graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, okay. And finally, what is your top freelancing tip? Um, it's just to behave yourself, to be honest. Um, because I have been an editor and you know, sadly a lot of people can't behave themselves, by I, which I mean is that you should file on time, um, you should have a appropriate email manner, you should um, you know, say if you need an extension of dead, to your deadline, not just email like two days later and be like, whoops, I haven't done it. Um, you should stick to the word count. My God, the amount of people that would just write twice as mm. much just because they fancied it. Um if you do those things you're ahead of so much of the competition I can't even stress like I understand we all have egos in writing but you shouldn't be at the point where it's like oh they can wait they can have twice the word count they can have whatever if you are reliable then you are ahead definitely
1: yeah this is something Emma and I say all the time and we're really shocked Mm. that people just don't do those
2: basic things yeah it's crazy to me uh, you're just shooting yourself in the foot no because it, you know at the end of the day this is industry isn't about talent like it's you know talent is third on the list of what an editor's looking for they would rather get someone who's you know has less of a flair for words but is going to actually file on time and stick to the brief um than someone who thinks that they're like the next whoever do you know what I mean I don't know it's just about keeping humble and 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 doing what you're told to do is so important yeah
0: yeah do you know and it's so funny because I was uh speaking to my sister the other day and she's freelance but she's a shoe designer so very different world but she was saying the exact same thing like actually just being reliable and doing what you say you're gonna do when you're gonna do it (laughs) yeah she was like I've you know worked for people who just say oh yeah they've just gone AWOL
2: or they just disappear. like yeah I don't how that good would you my have mind. to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, how good would you have to be for an editor not to care about that? You know, you'd have to be a once in a generation talent. But even then, we're all humans. The editor's going to be pissed off if you don't file on time. So, if you think about it like that, it's just like it's another human being on the end of the inbox that you don't want to piss off. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that's it. A- fantastic place to bring this episode to, to a close <laughs> top tip don't piss off your editor <laughs> yeah yeah oh thanks so much for coming to speak to Amelia and congratulations again on your very well-deserved you. win yeah thank
1: thanks you thank you so much for coming on well it's been a fantastic episode and if you're enjoying the podcast and want to hear some more bonus episodes then you can subscribe to our premium newsletter which is just 3.33 a month um, with this you also get resource lists and lots of successful pitch examples if you go over to Substack and search for freelancing for journalists you'll find out more and if
0: you want to make more connections come and join our freelancing for journalists facebook community of nearly seven thousand members now and we've finally got our new website up and running so you can find everything that we do um, including all our free resources at freelancingforjournalists.com we're still on Twitter. It's still going just
1: about. And we are at Freelancing4. And you can also follow us individually. I'm at Lily
0: Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And big thanks to our producer, Maddie Drury. And a huge thank you to all our Freelance Journalism Award sponsors, which were not just Lightbulb Entrepreneur and Press Hangout that sponsored Amelia's awards for Best Feature, But we're also the NUJ, Women in Journalism, Press Hangout, 5WH, Journalism.co.uk, The Media Mentor and News
1: Associate. And we have uh, one more episode left uh, in the series, so we'll be back again next week. But goodbye for now. Bye.